This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. Welcome to the Pants Cast, brought to you by Lululemon, a show about all things pants. My guest is Matt James, former NCAA player and Lululemon ABC pant enthusiast. Hi, great to be here. Matt, tell us all about those ABC pants. The comfort? They're like the pants I put on when I don't want to wear pants. Versatility? You could wear these pants to a wedding, but you could also wear these to a cookout. And what about style? They're like, if casual and cool, had a baby. Well, it's clear why you're an ABC enthusiast. Pleasure having you and your pants on the show. Thanks for having us. Find the shockingly comfortable ABC pants at lululemon.com. This episode is brought to you by Skinny Pop Popcorn. Perfectly popped, endlessly delicious. Oh, so light and crunchy. Skinny Pop Original Popcorn is the snack you've been searching for. Made with just three simple ingredients, popcorn kernels, sunflower oil, and salt. Snacking never felt or tasted so good. Perfectly popped, endlessly delicious. Give yourself permission to snack and pick up Skinny Pop Original Popcorn today. Welcome to The Real Real, where I take you behind the Instagram reel and into the real lives of entrepreneurs, content creators, and anyone who inspires me and may inspire you too. I'm your host, Natalie Barbu, and let's get into it. I think if you're an influencer, you should have a platform that you own solely by yourself and you control. You know, Instagram can decide at any moment, TikTok can decide at any moment that like they're going to stop showing your content to your followers, or they could just simply delete your account if they feel like it. Like you don't own that platform. And so I've, I've always been a strong believer that you should have a website or some kind of presence that you completely control. But that said, a lot of them don't. So I think the biggest change I've seen really has just like been complete and utter just pay for play when it comes to talking about products and brands and things like that. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to the Real Real Podcast. I'm your host, Natalie Barbu, and I am very excited to be recording with you. You know, I love to give a little update on where I am in the country every time I record these intros. And right now, I am in Chapel Hill, North Carolina. I've been spending the weekend in Raleigh and Chapel Hill because I actually used to go to NC State. If you didn't know that, go pack. And my little sister goes to UNC, and we just moved my brother into his freshman dorm this past weekend. So I've been staying here because I have my co-founders here. I wanted to spend some time working in person with them. And honestly, what I realized is that we work so well remotely, even working in person, like we're still doing our own thing because we don't overlap that often. So it's obviously nice seeing them and like going to dinner and grabbing lunch and just like being in person. But in terms of efficiency, dare I say it's better remote. I honestly think we're more efficient remote because, you know, you don't spend the time commuting. You don't spend the time like chit chatting and like not getting your work done. And it's not like we need to necessarily collaborate in person to get our work done. Like everything can be done on Zoom. So it's been amazing seeing like starting a company during COVID and like being remote and then working in person like later after you've established like working remotely. It's actually more efficient to work remote. I would love to know your thoughts on like what you what you think about that. Of course, you miss like the social aspect. So that's why I'm trying to come back to Raleigh like maybe once a month or something so that we can, you know, hang out in person and actually see each other and develop that company culture. But I will say that working remotely has been has been working really, really well for us. So I really love that. But anyways, I've been really enjoying my time here. And it's so weird because I feel like I am transported back to my college days. I actually kind of want to watch my old college vlogs. I Is that weird? <laughs> is that weird wanting to watch them? But I, I was walking down Hillsborough Street, which is like the main street in Raleigh. 
right next to the college campus. And I felt like I never left. Like it's one of those things where it's like, I don't think I ever left. Like I, I wanted to like take my route back to my apartment and like walk to my previous classes. And I was always spending my time in this one hall and like going to, you know, eat at where like the food and the restaurants were like, it just, it felt very normal. And it felt like I had never, ever left. It felt like I was away for a summer and I came back, even though I'm three years out of college, which is just insane. Like time has flown by so much. I don't know how I'm three years out of college. I don't know how I've been out of college, almost the amount of time that I was in college. Like that just doesn't sit right with me. I don't get it. And you know what else doesn't sit right with me? The fact that it's almost September. I'm sorry, what? September is creeping up. It's insane. But even with that, I do feel like time has gone by so quickly. Like I feel like it's been a blink of an eye and it's already September, but I honestly have felt a shift in my life and in my business. And it's been really, really good. Like I feel like we've been making a lot of progress. And so even though time flies, looking back, a lot has been done and a lot has gotten done. And somehow my September is even busier than my August, which is kind of crazy because I feel like my August was very busy. Um, but I'm really looking forward to it because it does mean that progress is being made. We're inching along, we're creeping along, which is amazing. And I'm really looking forward to it. And there's something just about like that back to school season, even though you're not in school, that makes you feel motivated and productive. Like, I don't know about you guys, but like, I find myself wanting to buy back to school supplies and like notebooks and agendas and new clothes, even though I've literally, like I said, been out of school for three years, but I don't really have any more like travel plans. This was kind of my last travel plan of the summer and of like the foreseeable future, but I know I'll be going back and forth to North Carolina just to see my family and stuff. And now that my brother's in school, I like really want to visit him more, especially because my sister and my brother go to school like 30 minutes away from each other. It's super easy to visit and like football games are hopefully happening this year and like tailgates. So Uh, I'll definitely be back for that. And like the fall in North Carolina is just so nice. And I think I'm more excited for it this year because you guys know I hate the cold. So I can actually like go to the fall and enjoy it because it's like, I know I can go back to Miami where it's warm. So I'm very excited for that. So like just being in the crisp cold air for like a week and then being able to like go back to Miami and like jump in the pool. Yeah, that is that is the goal. Because whenever I lived in North Carolina, I never was excited for fall because even though I loved the air and the weather, I just knew winter was coming and I was just like, I hate winter. Like I don't want the winter to come. So like I wasn't excited for fall because I knew we were that much closer to winter and I really hate the winter. So now I'm so excited for fall because I can just go and then come back to the warmth. It's going to be the best situation. So really my only plans are traveling to North Carolina right now, but I'm sure that that will quickly, quickly change. And I'm excited because now Keon can actually come with me because we'll be in the same place. He's working remotely full time. It's just going to be, it's going to be great. So very, very excited. As for a highlight and low light of my week, I feel like I haven't done this in a while. I would say my highlight was definitely getting together with my co-founders. It's always so nice getting together with them and seeing them in person and hanging out with them. Like you really do build company culture that way. And we actually had our very first team dinner where we got all the contractors that we have together. We have a team of eight of us. So we got all of them together besides Kayla. Uh, Sadly, Kayla could not make it because she is in Knoxville. She's actually studying. She's a law student. So she's studying at the University of Tennessee and she couldn't make it to Raleigh, but we'll definitely have her at the next one. But we had the whole team dinner with all of our designers, our developer. It was it was great. And one of our co-founders actually could not make it. But besides that, we had a great team dinner and it was just nice seeing all of them in, in person, like 
hanging out in a non-work setting, I guess. And then I would say my low light, this might sound cheesy, but I would say my low light is honestly dropping my brother off at school. I feel like when I am a mom, I am going to be in tears dropping my youngest person, youngest child, youngest person, (laughs) dropping off my youngest child at school. My mom was crying. It was emotional. I was so sad. I was like, I can't believe my little brother's old enough to be at school. And even he's even old for his grade. He actually should have been going to school last year. He is 19. He just turned 19 on the day that he moved in. So it was his birthday move-in day. So he's like a year older than his class, but it was still so sad seeing him go to school, but it was so nostalgic seeing him at the school that I went to. It was just, it was so weird. So that would be my low light because that was a a sad situation. But if you've been following me online and listening to this podcast a while, you know that the influencer space is kind of my jam. Part of the reason that I started this podcast was to hear the real behind the scenes stories from influencers. And today we have one of the OG beauty bloggers and influencer marketing managers joining me on the mic. Jamie Stone is here. And let me tell you, she is packed full of knowledge and advice to break through online and make a living as a content creator. Jamie is a beauty writer, blogger, celebrity ghostwriter, and digital marketer and is looked to for all of the beauty must-haves. I actually, I'm not kidding. We talk here about this uh, Sunday Riley retinol oil. Guess what I bought and guess what is now a staple in my in my skincare routine? Sunday Riley retinol oil. So um, yeah, she has some good recommendations. She is such a go-to for skincare products and her list of must-have products are just like top-notch, like you will not get let down. She started her beauty blog in 2006 and has built an incredible name for herself with contributions to Women's Health Magazine, Refinery29, and even The Today Show. In today's episode, we're diving into what it means to be a celebrity ghostwriter and how to become one, how to be a successful freelancer, and the ebbs and flows of running a marketing agency, which platforms are best for growing a following and landing sponsorships, and of course, her current Holy Grail beauty products, which it gets Sephora open because you'll be shopping. Anyways, I hope that you enjoy this episode with Jamie. I know you're going to love it. And if you do enjoy it, please be sure to give it five stars on Apple Podcasts and also take a screenshot and post it to your story and tag me so I can personally thank you. Anyways, let's get into the episode. You know what the best feeling is when you walk out the door feeling like you can conquer the world because your hair looks amazing. You know those days when your hair shines with confidence? Well, I have something that are going to make those good hair days into a daily reality, which is Way's new hair gloss. I personally have been loving taking care of my hair. I just got a new haircut and at first I was iffy on it, but then the more I've looked at it and the more I've styled it, I actually really love it and I don't think I can go back to super long hair. It's all about how you style it. So I have been meticulous about my hair routine. I've been incorporating Waze hair gloss and it has literally made me love my haircut and love all of the different ways that I can make it look. It's so easy. Just five minutes in the shower and bam, instant shine. And let me tell you, preventing heat damage is a top priority for me. And with hair gloss protecting my hair up to 450 degrees, I can style worry-free. And the best part, my hair feels shinier, healthier, and more vibrant than before. If you guys have seen my blowouts on my Instagram or my TikTok, you know that I have been feeling my hair and it has been so shiny. Getting your shine on in the shower with Waze hair gloss is so easy and it's packed with hyaluronic acid and rice water and so it so it not only gives you immediate shine but also treats damage and enhances color vibrancy. And here's the best part, in a consumer perception study, over 85% of participants agreed that their hair looks shinier, healthier, and smoother with Waze hair gloss. Give your hair a glow up with Way. Go to T H E O U A I and use promo code RealReal for 15% off any product. That's T H E 
O-U-A-I.com, promo code RealReal. Hi, Jamie. Thank you so much for coming on my podcast. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be on. I'm very excited. And for those of you listening, we have had such a back and forth with (laughs) scheduling this, but it's finally here. So I'm very happy about that. (laughs) Me too. I never want to be sick for an entire month ever again. It was terrible. I know. As long as you're feeling better. No, well, the thing is, it's like I was physically feeling better after maybe two weeks. But what you don't realize, like when you do podcast interviews, you have to be able to speak without coughing every three seconds. And Mm -hmm. my cough from my sinus infection has lingered for so long. I'm like, I have to reschedule everything I'm doing with audio because it sounds terrible. So I, I I can get a breath out now without coughing, thankfully. Yeah, no, I actually had to reschedule a podcast two weeks ago because I had gotten sick and I had lost my voice. And so Ugh. even though I was feeling better, my voice was like gone. Like I could barely speak. I was like, I have to cancel the interviews that yeah. I have this week because it's going to sound so bad. I'm probably not going to be able to even say a word at the end of the podcast. I'm like, <laughs> I got to cancel this. I got to. So I completely understand. <laughs> now as I cough. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> but we're going to start with setting the record straight. So this is where I'll say some assumptions and some stereotypes, and then you'll let me know if they're true or false. Cool. So let's get into it. The first one is podcasting is better than blogging. Uh, I mean, I think that depends on the person. I mean, I've had my blog since 2006. I love my blog, but it, to me, it's completely different. It's a completely different outlet, obviously. But you're using two different skill sets. It's writing and photography versus speaking. Mm-hmm. And I think they're both really great. I What I love about podcasting specifically is like having these great conversations, you know, and really connecting with somebody in a way that you don't get from interviewing them and then writing about it. So yeah, I guess I'm kind of 50-50 on that one. Yeah, I feel like podcasting kind of brings, it's like kind of like blogging but because I like if I do a solo episode I'll like write out a script for it you know like I'll write what I'm gonna say but it's just more interactive because you can like multitask while listening to a podcast you know like I could be like cleaning my room while listening to a podcast but I can't like clean my room and read a blog post good point so I feel like it's more interact or not interactive but I guess it's like it's more accessible to more people I would say yeah yeah agreed that makes sense And the next one is that everyone should start a podcast because now I feel like this year everyone is starting a podcast. (laughs) Okay, I'm going to say false to that one because, um, I mean, well, you have to have something to say, first of all. You you know, I'm I'm not saying if you have a great idea, don't do it. Absolutely do it. Try it out. But it's a lot of work, just like everything else. And if you don't have a unique point of view, I don't really know what the point would be to do one. Also, not everybody is great at having a conversation. I've noticed Mm -hmm. that too. You know, one thing that I'm not to my own horn, but on my podcast, well, a little too much, a lot of the guests will be like, that was a really natural interview. Like you're a great interviewer. And I think that that is a skill set that some people have and some people don't. So like yeah. nobody wants to listen to dead air. Um, right. If you're great, a great interviewer and you have a great idea, start a podcast. If not, right. probably don't. Yeah, I've been interviewed by a few people where it's like question one and then they'll say a question and then like you'll answer and it's like, Okay, question two. And it's like, <laughs> like that's not a conversation. Have, yeah. It's like, this could have been an email. Like, you don't want to have like a back and forth. Like, I feel like maybe then start a blog. Like, maybe exactly. a blog then would be better. Yeah. yeah no, it, it really is an art. It's like you said, you, you can ask that question, but then there should be some kind of conversation. It's not just like firing them rapid fire. It's, it's, right. Yeah, well, nobody wants to listen to that. 
Right. And then the next one is that it's easy to be an influencer. And would you consider yourself, before I say this, would you consider yourself an influencer? Because I would consider you an influencer today. Oh, okay. Thank you. I go back and forth. (laughs) I go back and forth, definitely. I mean, I'm definitely a micro-influencer just by definition because of my following on Instagram. But I do other stuff. It's not my full-time job. Like I do digital marketing consulting. I do social media content creation for brands. I think you do a lot of similar stuff too. Mm -hmm. So yeah, we have a lot in common with that. Yeah, I guess technically, yes. We'll go with that. Yeah. And do you think it's easy to be an influencer? Yes and no. I think I think that it, it, well, depending on your level, right? Like there are some people who are so big that they just have teams managing them and they're basically celebrities. Like I think at like our level, it, it can be challenging because you're usually having, you know, you have clients, I have clients, you're working on other things. So when the influencer work comes up, it can be a little overwhelming, you know, <laughs> you're like, oh, I have to do all this stuff. And it sounds so dumb. You're like, people are like, oh, poor you, you have to take a bunch of photos or like go on a trip. And it's like, yeah, but when you go on those trips, when you when you're obligated kind of to produce this content, it can be a little stressful. I mean, I will say, uh, when I went to Iceland, that was a like a friend trip, I went with two friends. And I was like, okay, I'm gonna like pitch this idea to some beauty brands to see if like, I can make some money while I'm in Iceland. And I got contracts with two brands that they wanted content. And it was kind of looming over my head. Like I couldn't have mm-hmm. fun until I just got that content done. I kept thinking, if I wait, the lighting is wrong. Like I won't be able to do it. And then I'll like breach contract and I won't make any money off of this. Like it can be stressful. And it, it sounds oh, really? ridiculous, but there are things that go into it like that. Oh yeah. No, I feel like it's so much harder than it looks. Like it's, don't get me wrong. It's a great job and it's a great way to make money, but it's also a lot harder than it looks. And it's not just like taking a photo and that's it. Like there's so much more that goes into it. A thousand percent. And I want to talk about you and your interests and all the jobs that you have. I mean, you kind of touched on it, but your Instagram bio, for example, it says like beauty writer, blogger, ghostwriter, digital marketer, grief advocate. What is your favorite role? Like what's the thing that you love doing the most? What is the thing that you would say you spend the most time on? Like, I, I feel like you have such a wide variety of interests and things that you do. So I'd love to kind of have a breakdown on them. Yeah, no, it's a lot of stuff. And like, my mom still has no idea how I make money. So that's, she's like, what do you do? At one point, she was like, my daughter sells makeup. I was like, not quite, but. Close, close. <laughs> yeah, no. kind of close, yeah. So I would say. I, I probably am the most passionate about writing in my, and especially with my blog, because that's my baby. And that's one thing I'll probably do for the rest of my life. Um, I haven't been as super active on the blog as I should be because I have like recently had an influx in marketing clients work, quite frankly, paying the bills, you know, and you get it. Like you do the same thing. You're like, Hey, when you get clients that, you know, are, are giving you, you know, three times what you'll make off the blog, like you have to switch your focus. Mm-hmm. And I kind of like it like that, because I think if I just did one thing, I would probably get bored pretty easily. But yeah, I mean, so there's the blog, I have my marketing clients, I have one social client right now. And then I have one, uh, I'm freelancing for a PR agency that has a big beauty brand. Um, and they're doing a lot of like paid influencer campaigns. So I'm helping them manage that. because That's actually like where I kind of started in the PR marketing world doing well, it wasn't influencer back then it was blogger relations because there were only mm-hmm. bloggers not influencers um so yeah that's kind of my big focus right now I have done some celebrity ghostwriting in the past I don't currently have any clients for that but that's super fun too and I really like putting it out there any any celebrities listening or any managers or agents or anything listening um let me know I I do a great job I can I can get references I love ghostwriting for people it's just fun to kind of capture their voice and and produce that content for them 
how do you do that? Like, how do you get into that? I feel like that's a job that like you hear some people every now and then have. They're like, oh, yeah, I'm like a speechwriter, ghostwriter, whatever. But like, yeah. how do you even get started with that? It's I can only speak for myself, but I'm just based off my own experience. I think it's always through referrals. It's just people who know what you do. And they're like, oh, my it's, talent managers usually are like, oh, I have this client who like wants to start a blog but doesn't have the time to actually do the writing or is not a good writer but so needs somebody to like actually write their stuff yeah I've had three in the past and it's all come through referrals just like like you said managers agents friend of friends are like oh Jamie does that like she might be good so Mm -hmm. yeah it's hard to break into that like I would never be like go to college and become a celebrity ghostwriter because unless you have those contacts it's like nearly impossible Yeah. Does every celebrity have a ghostwriter, you would say, or some actually write their own? You know, I don't know for sure, because I only know who I worked with. But I would say my guess would be most of them probably do. One, because they don't have the time or interest. And two, because often they're just not good writers. So like, I would say one of mine was a good writer. She just didn't have the time to do it. And then the other two really weren't. So (laughs) it was, you know, you you have to know your strengths, right? Right, right. And You've always loved writing. I mean, you started a blog back in, you said 2006, right? Yes. So how did you grow that? Like in 2006, were you getting a lot of hits on your website? Or like, what was kind of the transition of your blog growing? And, you know, how, how did you grow that? Yeah, that's a great question. It was so long ago. Nobody really knew what they were doing in 2006. It was like, I was like one of the first beauty blogs ever. And, you know, I didn't really get a ton of traffic at the beginning. But I think just because I did present it in a way that like looked very professional brands wanted to work with me. Um, You know, like the website looked decent. I was, you know, I had nice imagery and photos and all of that. And funny, if I ever like dig back and find some of those original posts, it's crazy how different it is now. Like it'll be like one image I took from like Sephora, you know, (laughs) and and, like a mini paragraph. It's everything's just so different now. But yeah, I sort of evolved over the times. And I mean, traffic really just grew I would say like SEO was a huge thing. I think because I've had the website for so long, I am pretty high on like the SEO ranking. And typically a lot of my traffic does come from that, which is great. Um, And then social media platforms like Pinterest and Instagram are probably my highest too for like people actually like seeing my stuff and then converting over to the site. But yeah, I mean, it was really, there's not like one thing that I did to specifically grow. It's, It's been kind of a trial and error process, which I know is kind of a frustrating answer, but that's the truth. I mean, I feel like it's trial and error with so many things, you know, like with a podcast, with a blog, with a YouTube channel, with TikTok, with anything. It's all like you kind of throw a bunch of things out there and you see what sticks. Exactly. That's probably how it is for the blog. And I feel like starting a blog in 2006, you probably were one of the very first people to ever start a blog, like in general, like the Internet is not that old. So (laughs) I feel like you must have been one of the first people. Why did you start it? Like what prompted you to start this blog? And like, was it a beauty blog when you started or you said it was one of the first beauty blogs, but like, why did you start like a beauty blog then in 2006? Well, so it's kind of interesting. I, so I was working for a PR agency in New York and that was my full-time job at the time. And I was tasked with reaching out to these, you know, the small group of beauty bloggers that existed um, and like trying to get them to talk about my clients and the products. And it, again, being so different back then, like literally all I had to do was email them and be like, send me your address. I would send them the product and they would write about it. Like I didn't have to pay them anything. <laughs> like it really was like, it was a great time to be a publicist because literally all you had to do is send someone product and they write about it. Now it's like, well, here's my fee. <laughs> I won't put it on Instagram. It's just so different now, which is fine. You know, it evolved. But 
so I was, I was outreaching to all these bloggers on a daily basis. And because it was such a new, I guess we call it venue. I had to do a lot of research into it because nobody knew what they were doing in that world. It was just like, Oh, Hey, there's this article in women's wear daily. Oh, Hey, like Allura published a roundup of like their top five favorite beauty bloggers, blah, blah, blah. So I was just like, I was basically finding out who they were from these like random articles that were written. The mommy bloggers I reached out to definitely had a bigger influence at the beginning because they just like the mommy blogger world. I'm not really involved in that anymore, but back then, and I'm sure it is now too, like was just, if one person talked about something, like everyone became obsessed with it. So I would say yes to that. Overall, I think, you know, here's an example that I always give. Um, So one of my clients was Neutrogena and ironically is now again. from a freelance perspective. Um, I was working with Neutrogena and I, I worked with them over the years many times. They're just a great brand and they have great products. They were launching this product called the Neutrogena Wave, which was kind of like a mini cleansing device, kind of like the Clarisonic, but like affordable mm-hmm. and like in drugstores. And something happened. I don't know exactly what, but they were like, we're not launching any paid like campaigns around this, like no TV, no digital ads, like nothing, which is very rare for a brand like Neutrogena. And so my boss was like, it's all on you. Like you have to be able to get like buzz going about this product because it's all that, that they're doing with it is PR. And so I literally just spent like, I want to say two weeks only working on this launch, like reaching out to every blogger I knew in the mommy space and the beauty space, all that, everyone. And it sold out on drugstore.com in one wow. month. So wow. when you do like a media blitz like that, I mean, I think it can really make a big difference. But yeah, I mean, so to your point, it, yes, I think it absolutely can show brands growth. That's a good exception, but it's also a little extreme because it's still Neutrogena. Like, I don't think necessarily the same thing would happen today, especially when you're not paying influencers. I that would be much more challenging. Right. I feel like now even like micro influencers, everyone's asking for money. Yeah. For it, like it's really, really, really hard to do anything for free nowadays. Like you have to have a budget as a brand. Ah. Hmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. When did you end up quitting your job and like working for yourself and doing freelance and doing your own thing? So I moved out to LA in 2009 because I got laid off during the crash along with everybody else in New York. And uh, I really, I needed a change. I'd only ever lived, I was born and raised in New York and I lived in like a 75 mile radius my whole life. Like I grew up in Westchester County, went to Hofstra, lived in the city. Like I was like, I need to try something different. And I'd gone to LA on a work trip once. And I was just like, I really liked it. I felt a connection there. So I was like, I'm going to try this, like, see what happens. So I moved out to LA. um, And I was freelancing for a while doing random stuff. And then um, I got the ranker found me on LinkedIn, I worked there for two and a half years doing PR and and blogger relations. And then after that, a colleague who was I worked with at Guffy, uh, went to a brand called Soul Society. And she basically created the role for me. She was like, we want an influencer marketing manager. And to my knowledge, I'm the first person that ever had that title. Like I, I always say that I have to caveat with that to my knowledge. I know because it's like, this is 2011 or 12. And so this is before like anybody was like influencer director, influencer. I, mean, I know I had that title first, okay? <laughs> 
and it was great. Um, I only worked there for like eight months. And unfortunately, my position just got cut, people started moving around. And I realized after that, I was like, I have enough experience doing all this stuff and enough contacts now, like, let me just, I'll look for another job, but I'm going to freelance in the meantime. And that was in 2013. And I've been on my own since then, I just kind of made the decision that um, as long as I could support myself and keep growing like my kind of digital consulting business, and then I can work for myself and I won't have to dedicate all of my time to an actual, you know, specific company. Yeah. Was that scary doing that? You know, I think it kind of wasn't only because I got laid off. And so it's not like I quit to do it. You know what I mean? Like, I think quitting would have been much scarier. But when you get thrown into that situation where you're like, okay, well, I don't have a job now. So I'll just like, throw a bunch of stuff at the wall and see what happens. And I, I was still looking for full time jobs, but nothing came up that I like was super excited about. And I started to grow the freelance business. So I was like, I guess I'm good at this. I guess I'll just like keep doing freelance and just see what happens. It never, it, I, I did think that eventually I might actually take another full time role. But uh, you know, at this point, it's been a long time. So I, I don't, <laughs> I, I'm still open to it. Like, you know, the recruiters still send me job stuff sometimes. And I'm like, uh, and just nothing has looked good to me. Like nothing. And all, you know, the ones that do look good can compete with like the money that I make off of my marketing business. So it, it just kind of depends. I mean, I, I'm not saying no, never, but it would have to be something like very special. Mm-hmm. And what do you do now? Like, freelance wise, like I know you said kind of social media content creation, consulting, but what would you say like you your role is right now as a freelancer? Yeah, so it definitely changes based on like what clients I'm working with, you know, month by month. But right now, it's very heavy focused on um, working with that PR agency that I mentioned doing paid influencer campaigns with them. And then uh, I have two social media clients doing content creation, uh, community management and, uh, like all the copy stuff for them. I do like one-off, uh, copywriting and blog creation for certain brands. Like, so they kind of reach out to me on an as need basis. They, so I might hear next month from, you know, one brand that I work with being like, Oh, Hey, we need like three blog posts for this month. Like, can you do that? Um, I'm also doing some copywriting for proactive, which is hilarious. Cause I proactive used to be owned by Guthy ranker. Like basically all of my clients right now, I used to, I, I've already worked with in the past. So it's just mm-hmm. kind of like a weird circle back to my previous life. That's really funny. And I mean, you've worked in the social media space for so long. How have you seen it change? Like you literally were the OG beauty blogger, then the OG influencer marketing person. (laughs) (laughs) So have you seen it change? Like, or what I guess, obviously, it's changed. But how have you seen it changed from like 2006 to what it is today? Yeah, I mean, so many ways. I think with influencer stuff, specifically, like we mentioned earlier, the biggest change would be really just that people used to just be excited just to receive free product and talk about it. And now it really is like it, it is pay for play at this point. You know, that's not to say I'm not speaking just for myself. I think in general, like I write about products on my blog all the time that nobody's paying me to talk about. But um, I think with the focus specifically on social media, there's a lot of influencers that don't have blogs, which I think is silly. And I've talked about that before on other podcasts is I think if you're an influencer, you should have a platform that you own solely by yourself and you control you know, Instagram can decide at any moment, TikTok can decide at any moment that like, they're going to stop showing your content to your followers, or they could just simply delete your account if they feel like it, like you don't own that platform. And so I've, I've always been a strong believer that you should have a website or some kind of presence that you completely control. But that said, a lot of them don't. So I think the biggest change I've seen really has just like, been complete and utter just pay for play when it comes to talking about products and brands and things like that. Because you know, when you're not producing daily content on a website, I get it. It's, it's more work probably to do like a bunch of stories and you're holding this thing and you're like, 
blah, blah, blah. I really like it. So you, you do want to get compensated for that. I completely understand. Um, but that has been a huge shift. And I think especially from the brand side, it's been an adjustment for some of the more old school people being like, well, how can we have to pay every single person? I'm like, well, if you want me yeah. to talk about it on their stories, like you're going to have to pay. Right, right. I mean, everyone is is paying. And so do you do like influencer relations then? Are you like working with brands to help them get like influencer marketing campaigns and stuff like that? Um, not all the time, but that is the client that I mentioned, the agency client. That's I'm, and it's only I'm only doing paid, so I'm not doing like the organic outreach for their brand or anything like that. I'm I'm literally just like working with influencers or like specific campaigns that they want to work on. Um, mm-hmm. which it's been interesting, you know, like people want a lot of money, and I'm like, even I'm like shocked by some of the pricing. I'm like, whoa, yeah, <laughs> you make that for that? Good for yeah. you. <laughs> yeah. Do you see return in it? Like how do you see the influencer industry kind of at like a burst or do you see return in like the when you are working with influencers? I think when done correctly, you absolutely do. There's a lot of nuances that go into it. I think it's much more than just paying like a one-off. Like if somebody came to you, if I came to you and I was like, hey, I'm going to pay you a one-off to like do XYZ Instagram posts, blah, blah, blah. And that's the only thing I'm doing. Maybe you'll see some sales, maybe not it really, I think works better. And when it's like a very cohesive program mixed in with like social media ads and digital campaigns and like all the paid stuff, not just influencer paid, but just paid in general with PR, you know, with the social media content, it has to be kind of like all together for it to be like a blitz, I would call it. Um, And that's challenging for smaller brands because they don't have the budget to always do all of that. So, you know, like my one, I have one social media client and she's a startup. She pays for everything herself, doesn't have any funding or anything. And you know, we did like a one-off with an influencer and it was great. We definitely got some sales. But the thing that we kind of figured out after that campaign was like, I think the next time we do it, we need to do it with like three different influencers. And we had to have them post like around the same day, you know, in the same week or something like that. So that the people who are following all three of them get just inundated with this. They're like, oh, I saw that skincare thing again. Maybe I should look into that. Because mm-hmm. I, I always give the example of the somersault bathing suit, right? Like I'm sure that's all over your Instagram, especially now they've been really going heavy with the paid ads. Like they basically took their paid influencers and started boosting all their content on stories. Every time I open the app, I see another influencer in a somersault bathing suit. And it's funny because I don't even think their bathing suits are that cute. But every time I see it, I'm like, maybe I do need one of those. Yeah. (laughs) Do I need that? I know. It's like a little bit of psychology mixed into it. Like, it's like, all right, people are going to start buying this once they see it like five times. Exactly. And there, there is actual science specifically with beauty products that it takes like, you know, almost a dozen times for a consumer to actually convert to a sale. Not every time, but, you know, there, that needs to be that like constant reinforcement. So I think, you know, if you're, if you're going to do influencer, it's probably, you'll probably see more success if you'll do like five smaller people versus like one big one, if, if budget's an issue. Totally. And I mean, I think it's really cool that not only are you a blogger, you know, you have a podcast and you're working on the other side of it. So you are working on both sides, which is really similar to me. I feel like that's how I am. Like, I like seeing the full business portion of it. And like, I feel like when you are working on the other side, as like you have your own blog, you have your own podcast, you have your own Instagram, you kind of are able to work with influencers better because you understand it because you are also one of them at the same time. So I really love that. And I also think it's cool that, you know, you still stick to your blog. And again, you've shifted into podcasting and we're going in the direction of the trends. So have you noticed a lot of people kind of shifting away from blogs and going more into podcasts? Like, have you kind of seen that shift on your own since you kind of have all all of the social media platforms, including an actual website? Yeah, I think podcasting is definitely like 
it has been peaking for probably the last like year or two. I got in a little bit earlier than the peak, but then um, I had to take a break. My dad unfortunately passed away and I just couldn't do it. As you know, podcasting, you know, you, you need a lot of energy. You need to be on mm-hmm. and like have the conversation. And again, it was like, I'm like, I can't talk to people. I can write blog posts because I can like take a break and cry if I need to, but I can't be like, hold on, I got to go yeah. cry now. <laughs> so I did take a break, which was fine. I mean, I was kind of bummed because I feel, I feel like I could have maybe gone a little faster up the trajectory if I hadn't done that, but it is what it is. Yeah. I think people were definitely getting into podcasts, but going back to what I said originally, like not everybody's great on, on a podcast the same way. Not everybody's totally. a great writer or great on camera. Like if that's your strength and great, but I've listened to some influencer podcasts that were just terrible. Like, Oh, I have too. I'm like, <laughs> wait a second. This gets views. This gets, <laughs> or this I gets know. listens. Like, it's true and listen they're always going to have especially like a bigger one they're always going to have their diehard followers who will listen regardless but I mean it's like nails on a chalkboard some of them I'm just like how like this is a terrible conversation it's boring like you have no energy in your voice not trying to be a hater but like it is a skill set to talk on a podcast Mm -hmm. oh 100% you know I think a lot of them have tried that and then dipped out when they were like oh wait I'm not going to make money right away from this (laughs) I'm in a hole for my podcast because I have a guy who helps me edit it. It's not expensive, but like I've made zero, negative zero dollars on my podcast. I do it because I like it. Um, exactly. And hopefully at some point I'll be able to make some money off of it, but that's not why I do it. There was a shift away from blogs for many, many years, but now it's sort of coming back because people have been very frustrated with Instagram specifically. Um, and I think that's why they're also shifting over to TikTok. But TikTok is another example, right? Of like, if you're not good on camera and you're not kind of funny, you're probably not going to be good on TikTok. Because it's a mm-hmm. very interactive video. Like you can't just be like, so today I tried on a bunch of outfits and I look so pretty in them. Like, no, that's not going to work on TikTok. You need a freaking personality. So, right. you know, I think it's interesting to see people like dabble in these other spaces. And then I think they learn pretty fast whether or not they're going to be successful on it and then go back to like what they're good at. But to your question, I mean, I think it, people have been very frustrated with Instagram and rightly so. I'm frustrated too they put out this bullshit being like, oh, you need to post three feed posts a week and like, you know, 10 stories a day. The first one has to have your face in it and then do like three reels a week. Who has time for that? And like, it's it's discouraging. And like the people I knew who like actually tried to do it were like, I saw a small boost in engagement, but like for the amount of time I'm putting into this, like it's not worth it. Oh no, I have been using Instagram solely as like a, like I'll post when I post. Like it's like, I'm not even like- worried as much about it anymore I feel like most of my time is spent either on YouTube that's like my main platform I would say and like I'm also trying to do other stuff away from my own personal social media you know like with my business and all of that like I'm really putting a lot of energy into that but I will say I do want to get into TikTok but it is one of those things where I'm intimidated because I'm like I don't know if my like humor or if I'm like funny enough or you know so I'm like trying to find a way to like I love being on video like YouTube is my main thing. So like, yeah. I'm totally fine being on video. But like, with TikTok, I feel like it's a whole new generation. It's like Gen Z. Like, <laughs> they're the ones watching it. I'm like, where do I fit in on this platform? So it's been kind of hard for me to like, try to fit in onto it. So that's been my biggest thing is like trying with that. And like Instagram now even said they're not going to be a photo sharing app anymore. They're going to be a video focused app. And I'm Allegedly. like, I-, I don't get it. Because I'm like, there has to be some place where you can share your photos, you know, like people still want to see that. Like, if I'm like on um, a plane or something and I have the Wi-Fi or if I'm like uh, just sitting with friends or something and I'm like scrolling on my phone I don't want to be like watching videos out loud you know like I want a place right. where I'm like scrolling and just seeing photos of 
I don't know. I'm always like, I, I don't understand Instagram or like why it's going that direction. But well, they're trying to compete with TikTok. That's, that's the only yeah. why they're they're getting killed by TikTok. But that's not why they're getting killed. They're getting killed exactly. <laughs> and it's like, how do you not understand that? Right? Like, it's like they're getting killed by TikTok because TikTok is the the better platform for content creators. They they actually boost their content creators. They don't try to punish them and not show their content to their followers so that you do like pay for play or whatever they're trying to get you to do. I understand why they're trying to compete with them, but they're going about it the completely wrong way. Like, right. <laughs> unless right. they're going to boost that content to the same level that TikTok does, there is, there's no competition. There's just not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. And are you on TikTok? Are you like going that route or what do you post on there? So I am on TikTok and I love it. I have not been, I've really, to quite honestly, I haven't had enough time to like create the content I want for that, but it is on my to-do list. I want to do more beauty stuff on there because um, the beauty posts that I have done have done pretty well. I mean, it was a while ago too, when they were like really generous with the, like the views, they're like, Oh, Hey, you're new. Like we want you to stick around. So we're going to show this to like 30,000 people. And you're like, Oh my God, I went viral. Yeah. <laughs> um, that never happens on Instagram to anybody. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, I, that is one of my main goals. I would say in the next couple of months is really dedicating time to create that TikTok content and like post consistently so that my following continues to grow. Um, I only have a couple hundred followers right now, but I almost never post. So it's my own fault. But I, I'm an avid watcher and user of the app just in general. I think it's great. It's a, from what I see a very positive community. People are very supportive. And there's like tons of great information with beauty and food and pets and politics and kind of whatever you're interested in because the app learns what you're interested in. So I always say that to like my friends who are like, ah, I don't want to do it. Like, I went on once and it was a bunch of people dancing. I'm like, no, you have to give it like a week to like learn what you want to see. Totally. And once the algorithm figures that out, you'll, you're going to stop seeing the stuff you don't want to see anymore. It'll just show you like puppies or like whatever you're interested in. So right. you know, I, I think it's a fantastic app. It's, it's a happy place for me. You know, Instagram definitely can be too, but I think they've just gotten really caught up in, in the, the, the rat race between TikTok and all the other stuff. And it, sometimes I go on Instagram and I'm like, God, like how many freaking ads are you going to show me? Like that bathing suit a hundred times. <laughs> <laughs> They're really targeting you. They're, <laughs> They're trying to get me. It's been years. I've held out. I, have, I actually, I bought a jogger suit from Somersault that I really like, but I have never purchased a bathing suit. I really don't. They're not my style. They're just like very matronly, I guess you could maybe call it. I don't know. They're just very uh, conservative for my liking and which is fine. Like people like that style. Obviously it's very popular. It's just not for me. I think at this point now they're, trying to attack me so hard with those ads I'm literally just never going to buy their bathing suit from them at this point like from the principal point I'm like no <laughs> for the principal I'm never doing it <laughs> is there not a way to say like not interested or something like that there is there is I should probably do that but at this point I'm like it's a joke I'm like okay yeah. another day like another somersault ad like <laughs> like you're so wasting funny. your money on me <laughs> yeah that is so funny and it, I mean yeah I think that Instagram really needs to like listen to their users and actually give them what they want, not just like compete and come up with the the new TikTok. Because like, I like Instagram to see, you know, new posts to get style inspo, all of that good stuff. But like, TikTok is where I go because I want to laugh and have funny videos and like see random stuff from people I don't follow. Like, it's not even about who is posting the content. It's about like, what is the algorithm feeding me? And I think that's what like, Instagram just doesn't get if the fact that on Instagram, I can't even see my friends posts anymore. Like, yeah, like, why would I go on Instagram? You know, so it's, yep. I don't know, they need to, I feel like hire new strategy people. It turned into this is like shopping platform at this point too. like, that's 
apparent like from that report that you mentioned like I feel like that's the direction they're really heading in is like video and shopping and it's like that's not what it started out like that's not why people enjoyed it like I think those things can be added in as like a bonus part of it like oh I'm following this fashion blogger I really think is great and now it's like really easy to directly buy the stuff like right on the platform like that's great but like it shouldn't just be that like nobody wants just that right right it'll be interesting to see how it plays out like if they're gonna end up dying kind of like Facebook did where it's like I just go on to check on my friends but it's not like a platform I'm like actively using anymore so we'll see but since you are an OG beauty blogger we cannot end this podcast without talking about like your beauty favorites and like your holy grail products so what are some of your holy grail products like anything that you use maybe every morning every night like what are some products that you cannot live without i'm very into oil products and i think that is something that they it can sometimes get a bad rap people are like oh but i have oily skin and i can't use them like no everybody can use face oil everybody can it does not make you break out if it's like a good brand obviously I am very into retinol oil. So like anti-aging oils, essentially. And there's two that I really love. Um, One is Sunday Riley. It's Luna. They're retinol. It's so good. It's just like, you put it on your skin, just feels like silk. It's just so, so good. Um, I get that. It's really, it's amazing. And it's like a pretty high dose of retinol too. But, um, and sometimes retinol can make you get like a little irritated, but this does not, at least to me. So I highly recommend that. I'm also very, I have this right next to me, actually. I'm very into this Aven thermal spring water because as you know I just had some laser treatments done on my my tech neck and the skin is like it basically looks like I have a really bad sunburn so you can't really put anything on it and I've just been spraying this thermal water on it like literally all day and I'm like oh it feels so good and it's great because you can just like you can use this on your face you can use it at the beach like it's just like it's nice to have just like some spring water to like splash on your face and get hydrated I would say I'm also very into lip gloss. That's like my go-to. And my favorite is the Fenty Gloss Bomb, the Universal Gloss Bomb. You like that's that? my favorite. It's, it's so my good. favorite. I got it like the day it came out. And Me too. <laughs> it's the best. Like it's really the best. Every single time I wear it, people are like, did you get lip injections? Yes. And I'm like, no, it's this lip gloss. <laughs> it's like the perfect amount of glossy. It's not like sticky and the color looks good on everybody. It's just, it's such a good product. Yeah, you, you, you killed it, Rihanna. You killed it. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I need to try that retinol oil because I also am a big fan of oils. And I was always that person that was like, oh, my skin is so like acne prone or like I'm my skin is oily. Like I can't put oils on my face. And now I started like cleansing my makeup with an oil, like a pre cleanse. And then I'll put on it like an oil serum after I cleanse. And it just like it makes my face feel so nice and like yep. honestly so glowy and hydrated. And I don't know, I'm never going back. Oh, that that's like music to my ears. I love when people are like oil convert. Yes. It's so great. Like, yes, yes, another one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, those are fantastic. I'm trying to think what else. I'm gonna have those linked and I'm gonna definitely shop the I want the Sunday Riley one, the one that you were talking about. Cause I think I need a retinol because I don't use anything really to like exfoliate, I guess. And I so I think that that would be good to just like kind of peel layers off my skin in a gentle way like yeah you won't see it like it's not exactly like a, yeah it, but it'll be doing it on the on the DL yeah <laughs> exactly exactly yeah I definitely need one of those and do you have a morning routine that you do that's like a sacred morning routine to you or a night routine I mean beauty wise I have like routines for both but I would say like I'm definitely a night person versus morning person and lately I've just been like loving getting into bed a little bit like I, I stay up kind of late I guess subjectively but <laughs> like usually around like 11 11 30 I'll get into bed and uh read for a little bit and that always calms me down and I'll listen to a podcast 
And that's sort of just like my Zen, you know, peaceful moment of just like right before bed is just like relaxing and taking in that stuff that I just, I don't know, like reading makes me happy. I listen to happy podcasts, not depressing podcasts before bed, because sometimes there are some very serious ones, you know, where you're talking about politics or something. And I'm like, no politics before bed. Yeah. <laughs> Only like pop culture and fun stuff. I'm trying to think. Yeah, I guess I don't really have like an official official routine, but that's probably what I do like the most frequently that makes me happy. Mm-hmm. And what are your favorite podcasts? I always love asking people for their recommendations. Oh, yeah. I would say I really love Juicy Scoop with Heather McDonald. It's a like a pop culture reality TV podcast because it's, she always just talks about like the stuff that goes on in that world, like housewives and like all that. It's on twice a week too, which is nice. Um, I really like Snooki's podcast. I don't know if you've <laughs> ever heard it. It's so good. It's called um, It's Happening with Snooki and Joey. And it's her and her like best gay guy friend. And they're just... It's, they talk about kind of similar stuff, like what's going on in the pop culture world, but it's always really funny. He's hilarious specifically, and they just have like a good dynamic. So that one's fun to listen to. Um, I like the Lady Gang podcast, which everyone probably knows that the popular mm-hmm. one. They're fun. Oh, Dak Shepard, his podcast is really good. He has really, really interesting people, celebrities and just interesting people on there. Um, and he's a great interviewer too. Which he's again, such a good interviewer. Yeah, that's such a thing that you would need to be to have a successful podcast so that one's great I think those are like my most listened to yeah yeah well I'm gonna start listening to a few like the first two I haven't heard of so I'm gonna start doing that but I just want to thank you for being on my podcast I thought this was such a great episode just kind of chatting and I felt like we were just like having a coffee date like talking about yes. the latest stuff so that's the thank best you kind so much yeah thank exactly you. and you're coming on my podcast too we'll figure out a date for that asap that'll be we'll do a little swap um i'm excited yeah. about that yeah awesome well thank you again for coming on my podcast and where can they find you and all of your stuff so my podcast is called a little too much with jamie stone my blog is honestly jamie.com and you can find me on instagram and tiktok at it's jamie stone i-t-s-j-a-m-i-e stone awesome well thank you jamie Thank you. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of The Real Real. I hope that you enjoyed and don't forget to rate, review, follow, or subscribe on your favorite podcast app. You can follow me personally on Instagram at Natalie Barbu and the podcast at The Real Real Podcast. I'll see you next Monday.